the devil will try to accuse you. And here's how slick he is. He'll try to make it sound like it's coming from you. And people do this all the time. Oh, man. God's mad at me. I know God is mad at me. That thought, you're saying it, but that thought didn't come from you. And the devil is so slick, he'll make it think, make you think it's your thought. Oh, man. That's, that's just messed up what I did. I know that God doesn't love me anymore. I know that God's not going to answer my prayer because of what I did. That's actually coming from the enemy. That's the enemy's condemnation. And don't receive that condemnation. Welcome to the Living by Grace podcast with Al Jennings. When you receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness, you will reign in life. Listen in as we discuss the effortless life of God's grace. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Living by Grace podcast. I'm Al Jennings, and I am ready to get into the Word of God. Are you ready? Let's go. All right. I'm in the midst of a series that I started several weeks ago called Enemies of Faith. Right now we're into part nine. All right. So we're going to start with our foundation scripture in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12. We'll look at the first six words, fight the good fight of faith. As I mentioned before, we are in a faith fight, and it's a good fight because Jesus already won the victory for us on the cross. We're going to look at today a major thing, the most important thing that Jesus did for us on the cross And um, we're going to get into some good stuff. So fasten your seatbelts, grab your drink, go to the refrigerator or pour something from the coffee pot or or the the teapot and sit back. Make sure your seat backs and tray tables are in the upright and locked position. And we're going to take off. Praise God talking about enemies of faith, enemies of faith, because, you see, the reason why this series is called Enemies of Faith, because your faith has enemies, because we're in a faith fight. We're in a fight, and it's a good fight, as I mentioned, because of Jesus. He won the victory for us. Now, if we are to fight, a fight of faith, and it tells us what fight we're in. We're in a faith fight. If we're in a fight, then there must of necessity be some enemies to our faith. So I've been dealing with what I believe are major enemies to our faith. We should not be ignorant of Satan's devices. He's always trying to steal your faith away from you. It's it's called a fight of faith because If he can keep you from operating in faith, he's got you where he wants you. Now, I've covered that um, in great detail. So let's take off from here. 
And first of all, let me give you briefly the first five enemies. We're in part nine, but on enemy number six. Enemy number one is a lack of knowledge of God's word. Enemy number two, a failure to act like God's word is true. Enemy number three, being governed by sense, knowledge, evidence. Enemy number four, a lack of endurance or steadfastness. And I encourage you to go back and listen to those previous messages. Um, it's, it's hard to just single one out as better than the others, but I especially enjoyed teaching that lesson on steadfastness, endurance, because that's where a lot of people trip up. They start out good, they operate in faith, but then they fall back and they quit. But don't quit. The Bible tells us to hold fast your confidence, which has a great recompense of reward. You have need of endurance that after you've done the will of God, after you believed God, after you have claimed your promise of God's word, took your stand on God's word, keep standing, having done all stand. All right. So hold fast your confidence. Keep your confidence. You have need of endurance that after you've done the will of God, after you've taken your stand on the word of God, you will receive the promise if you don't give up. Don't be weary in doing good, for you will reap if you don't quit and don't give up. Okay. So just wanted to go over that real quick. So that's enemy number four. Yeah. Enemy number five. <laughs> is not understanding the Father's love. I covered that last week. I hope you're enjoying this study as much as I am teaching it. <laughs> okay. Enemy number six is no condemnation. Let's get to it. Romans 8.1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus Period, full stop. Now, I know, and in case you don't know, the Bible was not written with chapter divisions, verse distinctions, punctuation, okay, it was all one continuous narrative, all capital letters, I believe, and the translators added the punctuation for clarity but in some cases, it causes confusion, all right? And um, so in this particular case, uh, there, are, there are different Greek manuscripts, okay? And the manuscript that the... Now, I went to Bible school, and I didn't understand this until um, recent years. A few years ago, I discovered... When I was looking up a word in the Greek, I found out in the King James, I looked up the original word in the Greek, and it said something different than when I went to the ESV, and I looked up the same English word, 
from the same scripture and looked that up in the Greek, it had a different word entirely. And I'm like, what is going on? Just hold on a second. What's happening here? Well, the ESV, um, New American Standard, also known as NASB, the NIV, those translations come from a different Greek manuscript than the New King James comes from. The New King James comes from a different manuscript. The King James comes from a different manuscript. So if you compare the, the, the two, and, so, and when you look at one, and, and let's say you're looking at the King James or New King James, and you look up a Greek word in one verse, it may say one thing. It may be one Greek, Greek word, all right? I mean, it, it may be a different Greek word than when you look at an ESV version, NIV, or NASB, and look that same word up in the Greek, you can, you can get an entirely different word. Not in all cases, but in some. Okay. And each translation reads a little different as well. And I said all that to you to say this. And thank God, let me mention too, thank God for the translators. In the most, for the most part, they do a good job of um, punctuation, chapter divisions, and so forth, and and that helps so that we can tell you turn to Romans eight one or turn to Matthew five one. We know where to go. All right, so that's cool, but sometimes there's some confusion, and that's why it's good to read several translations. And I said all of that to say this. I don't have the New King James up right now, but I believe that it, it adds something on to the end. Let me look it up real quick. Um, I know that King James says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, but it adds at the end who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And I believe the, um, let me look it up real quick, in the New King James, because I believe it says the same thing. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Now, that's taken from one Greek manuscript, all right? Now, the ESV doesn't tack on to the end of this verse, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. It reads, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, period, full stop. And I believe that's the correct translation. I don't believe those other words should be there. And by the way, the ESV, NIV, NASB, and there are others, are taken from a Greek manuscript that is a more ancient or older 
manuscript, which many scholars believe is a more reliable manuscript. Okay. And I believe this is accurate an accurate translation. And the reason why that's important is the other translations that I mentioned, King James, New King James, puts a condition at the end that there's no condemnation as long as you walk according. And I taught this this way for years. Now, there's no condemnation for you as long as you walk in, in the spirit. Now, you get off in the flesh, there's going to be condemnation for you. Now, that's not true. This is a correct translation. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, period, full stop. Full stop. Okay. Now, that's well and good that I say that, but it, it must be verified by other scriptures. See, you don't just take one verse and don't just take something because I say it. Let's say, let's see if this agrees with other scriptures and you'll see it's consistent with what the Bible teaches on the subject. All right. So that's just a lot, <laughs> a word salad for you, but we're going to get into, into the nitty gritty, but that's a very important thing because it can trip you up when you're reading other translations and you see that and you're like, Oh, wait a minute. What, what's that? Okay, that's why I went over that. Okay, now, I pulled up uh, a Bible word study for this Greek word, this translated condemnation. It's uh, katakrima, katakrima in the Greek. And let me give you a few definitions that I found. It means to condemn to render a verdict of guilt, penalty, adverse, adverse sentence, judgment, okay? Now, what this is saying is, this is good news, y'all. There's no condemnation. There's no penalty. There's no adverse sentence. There's no verdict of guilt, Amen. To those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no punishment. God will not punish you for your sins. Because Jesus on the cross was punished on your behalf. We're going to look at that in a second. Now, I hope you're getting something out of this. Look at this from the New Century version. Now that I mentioned looking at Different translations. Let's look at a different one. So now those who are in Christ Jesus, are you in Christ Jesus? If you're, if you're born again, you're in Christ Jesus. So now, now, right now, here in, in this new covenant dispensation, those who are in Christ Jesus are what? Not judged guilty. That's you. I'm talking about you right now. You are not judged guilty. Why? Because Jesus was judged on the cross for you. Let's look at Psalm 103, verse 8. This is the same psalm that talks about, it starts off with, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all our iniquities, who heals all our diseases. 
on the cross, Jesus forgave all our iniquities and heals all our diseases. He crowns our life with loving kindness and so forth. All right. If you drop down to verse 8, we're going to look at that right now. It says, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. Praise God. Now look at verse 9. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. This is Old Testament language here. All right. He does not deal with us according to our sins. <laughs> now, that's New Testament language. It can be verified and confirmed by New, New Testament Scripture. And let me show you in a moment. He does not. God does not deal with you according to your sins. Why? Because he dealt with Jesus. See? God does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. Because Jesus bore the penalty for our sins on the cross. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14. Let's get right to it. Mark this in your Bible. This is a key verse. And as homework assignment, if you want some extra credit, read Hebrews chapter 8. There is similar language in that chapter. For by a single offering, bells and whistles here, y'all, okay, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. That's you, praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's a lot to shout about. Hey, man, we should clap about that. Glory to God. Let's clap again. Amen. For by a single offering, by shedding his blood on the cross, he has perfected for all time. For all time. New King James says forever. And you know what forever means in the Greek and the Hebrew? It means forever. He's perfected forever. For all time. This means that on the cross, Jesus took your sins past, present, and future. And this is why he doesn't deal with you according to your sins. You, you see how this goes along with what we just read? I love the word of God, don't you? This goes along with what we read in Psalm 103. He will not repay us according to our iniquities. See, because Jesus on the cross perfected us forever. All right? Somebody might say, well, where does, does the Bible say that he forgave your sins, your future sins. Now, I know he forgives our past sins, but where does the Bible say he forgives our future sins? Right here. It doesn't specifically say future, but on the other hand, it doesn't say past. But future and past and present is in this language of forever. New King James, forever, ESV, for all time. For all time, you know, to have time, you have to have three things, right? You have to have what? 
future, present, and past. Without those things, you don't have time. And he perfected for all time. That's past, that's present, and that's future, and that's good teaching. Let's back up where Hebrews 10, back up to Hebrews 9 and verse 8. Now, Jesus is coming back again. He's coming back to get us, saints. Those who are alive and remain will be caught up together. Those who've gone on before us, who died in Christ, it says we will not proceed. Those who fell asleep, who had died in Christ before us, the Lord will descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of an archangel, trumpet of God, dead in Christ will rise first. And we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds and meet to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we will et forever Ooh, be with the Lord. Man, I'm excited. I think, yeah, praise God. So he's coming back again, right? So it says here, so Christ, having been offered once, he only had to do it once. It was a finished work. When Jesus was on the cross, he said, it is finished. He finished the work. It ended the old covenant. When Jesus said, it is finished, the old covenant ended. When Jesus said, it is finished, and the new covenant began, and he only had to go to the cross one time because it was a complete work. The finished, listen to this. Listen to this. The finished work worked. Let me say it again for the people in the back. The finished work worked. He finished it. He took all of our sins, past, present, and future. Jesus became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So Christ Hebrews 9.28 says, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, that's you and I, will appear, will appear, will appear a second time, watch this, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Underscore this. He's coming back again a second time. Watch this. Some people overlook this. I overlooked it for many years. But this is significant. He's coming back a second time not to deal with sin. Why? Because he already dealt with sin. He just come back to get us. He's not coming back to deal with sin because he dealt with sin on the cross. It was a finished work. And it was a complete work. Praise God. Now, we're dealing with no condemnation. There's no judgment because Jesus was judged for your sins already. So God is happy with you. You're accepted by God. Jesus became sin that you might become righteous. What does that mean? That means you are right with God. That means that you are accepted. You are approved. You are not guilty. Hallelujah. You're well-pleasing to God. You are as you ought to be. And so who is the accuser? Huh? Man, the scripture just came to me hot off the press. And uh, actually, we dealt with this last week. 
So I should be able to find it here. Um, those that you, those, those of you who are watching uh, the video, this is also an audio podcast. Let me see if I can go over and find these verses I looked at last week. Yeah, Romans chapter 8, verse 31, that says, Thank you for the Holy Spirit, Father. Brought this to my attention. This goes right along with what I'm teaching. Thank you, Lord. What then shall we say to these things? Romans 8, 31. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? All right. Verse 33, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? <clears throat> it is God who justifies. <laughs> the word justified means declare righteous. Now we know who will bring charges against us, but they're, they're thrown out in court. It's the enemy, the devil. See? And any time that he brings a charge against us, it's thrown out. Jesus throws it out. I paid for it. They're free. They're not guilty. They've been declared righteous. See, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? The question is raised. By the Apostle Paul, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, took our sins past, present, and future. More than that, who was raised? Who was at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us? What he's saying is, it's not Jesus condemning us. Well, who is it? Let's go to. Revelation 12, the devil hates this. We're exposing him. And war broke out in heaven. Revelation 12, 7, Michael and his angels fought with the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail. Nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. That old dude got booted out. Jesus said, I mean, he tried to raise up his throne against God's throne one day. All right. And God don't take that. The devil is no match for God. And he got booted out of heaven. The scriptures give us some insight into that. Jesus said, I, when, when um, he sent the disciples out, to heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. He sent them out two by two. And they came back all excited. Man, they're like, even the demons are subject to us, Jesus, in your name. Jesus said, basically, y'all, that ain't no big deal. He said, I saw Satan fall 
from heaven like lightning. You know how quick lightning is? You see that lightning? Nope, it's gone. Boom. It's like it's, it's here and it's gone. That's how quick Satan got booted out of heaven. And Jesus told him, don't, don't rejoice because the demons are subject to you. Rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Praise God. Your name, y'all, child of God, look at me. Your name is written in heaven. Let's rejoice. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that our names are written in heaven. Let me take a drink here. So the great dragon was cast out. That serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. He took a third of the angels with him in his rebellion. They rebelled with him, a third of the angels. Verse 10. Here's what I want you to see. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. See, when you understand the enemy's methods, there's nothing he can do to you. He wants to keep you ignorant of your rights and privileges in Christ so he can take advantage of you. He only has the power that you give him. And that's why we're exposing these enemies so he won't have an advantage over you. Notice what he's called here. He's the accuser of our brethren. It says who accused them before our God day and night and has been cast down. Now, Paul in Romans brought out the question, who is he who condemns? It's not Jesus. That passage is clear. It's not Jesus. Because, see, that's consistent with Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation. God does not judge you guilty. So there's no condemnation from God. Praise God. We are forgiven, we're loved, we're accepted, approved, all that good stuff. Amen? Amen. But the enemy will try to accuse you, and he'll try to bring out the littlest things and point out something you did or something you didn't do or um, try to make you feel guilty. That doesn't come from God. That comes from the enemy. And it's important that we deal with this enemy of condemnation. Okay? Because when condemnation comes, that's the enemy. And the Bible tells us to resist the devil and he will flee from us. So when you resist condemnation and don't receive it into your life, you may have done something wrong. But understand that that, that wrong thing that you did last night or whenever you did it, Jesus already dealt with it on the cross um, that thing has, whatever you did, you've been forgiven of it 2,000 years ago on the cross. So go on about your business, all right? 
That doesn't mean we condone sin. What do you do when you sin? Here's a, here's a great idea. Stop. All right? What if I do it again? Stop. Rinse and repeat. Amen. So the devil will try to accuse you, and, and here's how slick he is. He'll try to make it sound like um, it's coming from you. And people do this all the time. Oh, man. God's mad at me. I know God is mad at me. That thought, you're saying it, but that thought didn't come from you. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Jesus said in Matthew 6, take no thought for your life. And then later on in that same passage, it says, take no thought saying. If you take the thought, you'll end up saying it. And the devil is so slick, he'll make, it th make you think it's your thought. Oh, man, that's, that's just messed up what I did. I know that. God doesn't love me anymore. I know that, that God's not going to answer my prayer because of what I did. And I just feel so bad. Um, now, we shouldn't love sin. But to beat yourself up and to condemn yourself and those things that I, that I just said, Oh, man, God doesn't love me anymore. God's not going to answer my prayer. That's actually coming from the enemy. That's the enemy's condemnation. And don't receive that condemnation. All right? Verse 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. So when the devil tries to accuse you to you, you point him to the cross. When he tries to point you to you and something you did wrong, see, you shouldn't have did that. You call yourself a Christian. Or sometimes he make you, like I said before, think you're saying it. Oh, man. I'm not acting like a Christian. See, man, I'm, I'm supposed to be a Christian. Look what I did. You are a Christian. You are a believer. How do you overcome him when he points you to you? You overcome him by the blood of the Lamb. You point him to the cross. You tell him Jesus already whooped you and defeated you, and, and devil, there's no condemnation. Because you, you, you have been defeated on the cross, and because of that, because Jesus took my sins past, present, and future on the cross, there's no condemnation to me, so I'm free. God is not holding anything against me. That's important because that's going to give you confidence that you are loved and nothing you can do about it. There's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing, no bad thing you could do to get God to love you any less. <laughs>
His love for you never changes. There's no good thing you can do to get God to love you any more than he loves you right now. We covered that last week. Look at 1 John, a um, few more scriptures. 1 John 3.21, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, this is why this is so important not to receive condemnation because when your heart does not condemn you, we have what? Confidence toward God. Let's read it again. 1 John 3.21, mark this in your Bible. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. See, if, if we receive this gift of no condemnation, then we have confidence toward God. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. That's what Jesus gave that woman that was caught in adultery when they caught her in the, in the very act of adultery. Let, they let the guy that she committed adultery with slip out the back door. You can't commit adultery by yourself. You got to do it with somebody. But that aside, they dragged her out in public and they thought they caught Jesus. Uh, they thought it, they, they would trap him by saying, the law said she ought to be stoned. What do you say? And so Jesus, the Bible tells us, tells us was born under the law. So he didn't violate the law. He's like, okay, here's the deal. He who is without sin, throw the first rock. And you know what? They all started walking out from the oldest to the youngest until nobody was standing there except Jesus and the woman. He said, he who is without sin, throw the first stone. And the only one that was left was the one without sin. <laughs> Praise God. So the ones who would have condemned her couldn't. They all walked out. And the one that could have condemned her wouldn't. Praise God. Because he's not out throwing out condemnation to people. And here's something else to confirm what I'm saying today. Follow Jesus around in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you will see that he did not condemn people. Who was he that condemns? The religious people were always trying to condemn people. All right. The law says she ought to be stoned. What do you say? All right. And so Jesus is left with this woman. And um, Jesus said, praise God. Now, watch this before I say that. People always want to jump to uh, sin no more. Go your way. Sin no more. See? 
But that's not all he said. The most important thing he said was before that. Now, we're not for sin, and Jesus is not for sin. Let's get that out there. But what he did was, he first, what did he say before he said, sin no more? He said, has no one, after they all walked out, has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And he said, neither do I. I don't condemn you. Now go your way and sin no more. Basically, he's saying, go and be free from sin because I'm giving you the gift of no condemnation. How do you think that made her feel? You think she went away from there condemned? No, because the master, Jesus, gave her the gift of no condemnation. He said, neither has no one condemned you? No one, Lord, neither do I. How do you think that that made her feel? She has confidence towards God now. And she's got the power now to be free from sin and overcome sin. See, if your heart doesn't condemn you, you got confidence toward God. Let's close with this passage in Romans chapter 3, verse 23 and 24. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified. Remember that word justified means to declare righteous. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. This means that in the Old Testament, the Old Testament saints, they sinned and he passed over their sins. And now sin has to be paid for or has to be dealt with. And so Jesus, when he went to the cross, basically, let me say it like this. They were forgiven in the Old Testament through those blood sacrifice of animals. They were forgiven on credit based on what Jesus was going to do on the cross. He paid their debt for all the sins they committed in the Old Testament. He paid their debt on the cross. That's what it's talking about here. In his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. Let's look at this from the New Century Version. We looked at this same version before in Romans 8, 1. Verse 23, everyone has sinned and fall, everyone has sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. And all need to be made right with God by his grace, which is a free gift. They need to be made free from sin through Jesus Christ. Verse 25, God sent him to die in our place to take away our sins. We receive forgiveness through faith in the blood of Jesus' death. This showed that God always does what is right.
and fair. As in the past, when he was patient and did not punish people for their sins. Praise God. So in the past, God didn't punish people for their sins because that debt was going to be paid for on the cross. God is a righteous God. And because he's a righteous God, he had to punish sin. He can't just let the sins of the past of the people in the Old Testament before Christ, he didn't let it slide. He just forgave them on credit knowing that their debt was going to be paid for on the cross. Wow. Ooh, man. I preached myself, taught myself happy today. Praise God. Aren't you thankful for the Holy Spirit, for the Word of God? The Word of God is so, so rich. That's all I got for you for today, everybody. I hope you got something out of this. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. All right, everybody. I appreciate you tuning in, watching, or listening. Have a great rest of your day. We'll be back next week for another lesson in the in the enemies of faith. All right, y'all. I'm out. Thank you for joining us today for the Living by Grace podcast. You are greatly blessed, highly favored, deeply loved, totally righteous, and destined to win because of Jesus. Have an amazing day.